Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the second episode of the Deliciously Ella podcast with me, Ella Mills, and my husband and business partner, Matthew Mills. Hi, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the world of health and wellness. The world of health and wellness is incredibly confusing. Articles constantly contradict each other, and it's challenging to navigate. On today's episode, we're going to be looking at finding balance, the small changes that we can make to feel our best, and debunking confusing information with nutritional therapist Amelia Freer. I've been following Amelia for a while now and just love her approach and I was rereading her books of the weekend prepping for the podcast and I was just feeling so inspired by what she wanted to say and most of all I wanted to start by celebrating the way she introduces the concept of positive nutrition which within this confusing space feels incredibly refreshing and I just wanted to read a little quote before we introduce her and it's where she says positive nutrition begins with compassion towards ourselves it is about eating better not about eating less nutrition is not low fat it is not low calorie it's not being hungry and feeling deprived it's nourishing your body with real whole foods so that you're consistently satisfied and energized to live life to the fullest she then goes on to say food is not something that should be feared yes it is important to eat with consciousness both for our own health and the health of the environment but food can also be a carefree source of pleasure and joy identifying where your own personal balance lies on this continuum is the key to finding contentment around food. And I just loved that. And it's something I think we've talked about a lot. Exactly. So, Amelia, welcome and thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's our first guest. Our first guest, <laughs> indeed. So, how did you come to this space of, of positive nutrition? Was it something that always resonated with you or something that you came to over time or through a life experience? Well, my training as a nutritional therapist has always focused on optimal nutrition. So that is helping clients to achieve uh, eating the widest variety of nutrients possible. So I've always approached nutrition from that angle. But I suppose what I started to notice over the last couple of years was the culture was shifting more towards focusing on what we shouldn't eat, what we should avoid. It sort of turned into this deprivation and misery. And that was never what I studied or what, what I uh, aimed to, to talk about in, in any of my books or any of my work. Um, so I really wanted to sort of shift the focus back onto what we need to be eating, what we should be eating and what we should be enjoying to make us all feel well. Because we know that suboptimal nutrition is a leading cause of poor health. So it's important. Uh, people can uh, shame us and blame us in any way that they want. But we know that nutrition is really, really important for all of us to, to thrive and, and be happy and well. 
from my experience, uh, I didn't eat very well in my teens and my 20s. I uh, definitely was not connected with food or health or well-being at all. Um, and I didn't have a horrible disease like you had, but I did have multiple symptoms that weren't really great. And, and I put up with them for a long, long time, like I and think so many symptoms? of us do. So I had really bad acne. Um, I mean, I was bullied horrifically at school for for having such ho horrible skin. Um, I had really bad digestive problems. I was always in crippling pain with a really, really bloated tummy and bad diarrhea. Uh, I was always just run down, exhausted. And like I say, I put up with it. Um, uh, my mother took me to a doctor. I did some intensive rounds of a drug called Rakutane for the acne. My doctor put me on the um, contraceptive pill when I was quite young, again for the acne and again for like hormonal periods, that sort of stuff. Um, I don't think that they were necessarily great for me, but they definitely did start to help with the acne. But a lot of the symptoms just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. So um, it was, I, you know, I went to lots of doctors. I was offered antidepressants, pain relief, you know, the kind of things that doctors have at their disposal to offer you when you go there with a symptom. Um, but none of it felt right to me. And I just kept thinking, why? Why do I have these symptoms when my friends don't? Why do I feel so odd? Uh, why am I not able to sort of get up and go and enjoy life? So I had a flatmate at the time who was quite interested in healthy eating and she knew a lot about nutrition. And she told me about nutritional therapy. And it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I was quite dubious, mm. if I'm honest. I felt the exact same way the first yeah. time I started looking into it. And I just thought, seriously? Mm. Really? Mm. Is this actually going to help? <laughs> me too. I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, but I was kind of desperate at that stage. So I went along for the appointment. And... Oh, I mean, maybe I was lucky because I know that, you know, there are good and bad practitioners out there. But I, the, the girl that I saw, she just spoke such sense. She explained it to me in such simple language. It just, it was like, ah, oh, you know, such a big light bulb moment. moment. Yeah, the light bulb moment when I just uh, started to suddenly connect with food and what I was putting into my body and what I was doing to my body and how my body was functioning. I was just so disconnected before. I didn't really think about it. Um so what was a so, typical day's food well, pre this? So I grew up in the countryside in the north of England and um, I didn't really have access to a lot of junk food. So when I moved to London, I just thought it was fantastic <laughs> that I could eat croissants and baguettes and crisps and chocolate and uh, loads and loads of tea with sugar. I mean, I don't think that, you know, from the time that I moved to London until the time that I started to embrace nutrition, which was probably about six years, I don't think I ate many vegetables. I don't think I ate anything that was home cooked. I pretty much lived on, you know, easy convenience food, which I thought was fantastic. And I thought that I was terribly sophisticated, but um, it definitely, and it was tasty and delicious, but it definitely wasn't really working for my health, I later discovered. So, um, Seeing this nutritional therapist, she just, uh, you know, she didn't try and get me to be perfect. She just gave me some simple things to go away with. And I left feeling like, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to cut down my sugar in my tea. Uh, I'm going to switch uh, the croissant at breakfast for a couple of hard boiled eggs. It was just very simple changes. We, we asked some of our readers for questions on this. And one of the things that kept coming up, and I know we've talked about this a lot, is you know, if you're looking at making some changes, how do you make an informed decision? Because there is so much confusing, contradictory, ever-changing, ever-evolving mm. information. And it just feels like a bit of a minefield. You know, mm. whose advice do you follow? When do you listen to your body and yourself? When do you listen to someone else? Who do you listen to? Where do you get that information from? And how do you kind of decipher all of this 
information into your own life? Mm, well, God, big question. Yes, big, big question. question. I think that um, the world of nutritional science is at a very exciting time. There's a lot more interest and, and a lot more money and time going into it. Um, so it's exciting. There's a lot of new stuff coming out yeah. all of the time. I don't think that that's going to stop for a while. But I think I like to hope that we're getting closer and closer to better understanding the role that nutrition plays in our health. So um, I think that we're going to still be getting conflicting advice. And that's just the nature of science that happens in all other areas too. And we have to learn to be okay with we that. We have to learn to be okay with it and not be so rigid with forming an opinion about how a diet should be. Yeah. Our diets need to be fluid and flexible things. And I think that that's probably the most important message that I can can share. I think that some tips I would give to people who are, you know, are getting overwhelmed would be we have to be a bit skeptical. Uh, the truth is, is that healthy eating is not that sexy and it doesn't make good headlines. So uh, if there's an amazing headline, it's probably untrue. If there's a big promise, it's probably untrue. The truth is there just aren't any quick fixes. There's nothing really new about healthy eating. You either have to, you know, jump both feet in, be committed and uh, take the time to learn about it, to explore it, trial and error. And as you said, I do actually think that we are the very best judges uh, out there because we're all so unique. And so just because you eat in a certain way and yeah. people follow you and admire you doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that mean... it's right for them. Absolutely. Just the way that I eat in a certain way, it doesn't mean that my way is the only way. Be informed. Read read up about it. You know, we have to take responsibility if we're going to be uh, following certain ways and, you know, uh, making big changes. We have to take the responsibility to get informed. And that does mean following people that, you know, we, whose opinion we trust or who we think have the right credentials or just people that inspire us. So if you just want to start eating a bit better today and maybe try and change the way that you eat over even the course of a year, if people can, can build themselves that horizon, what would be the best first step that you think that people can take just to start trying to eat a little bit better? And then what's maybe the best second and third step? I love that you say a year because that's what I always say with my clients is choose something that you can imagine yourself doing in a year's time. So I often see clients, they're like, right, I'm going to give up alcohol forever. And it's like, well, we well, kind not. of know that that's not going to be realistic because next month you've got a wedding or next month you've got something. So um, it's probably unrealistic to say I don't, I mean... Some people manage it. So, you know, it's choose, it's being realistic with choosing something that you can actually imagine sticking with for a year. Because I believe that it's the consistency, not the perfection. So finding something, the changes that we make consistently have the biggest impact on so our may, health. So maybe sugar out of your tea as a, as a starting point. Well, like I, I, could, I had three cups, three spoonfuls of sugar in my tea. So I just couldn't go cold turkey on that. Tea <laughs> was revolting to me. And I drank that since I was a little girl. So I cut down from three to two and then two to one and then one to half. And eventually I can drink tea without sugar. Um, although actually, weirdly, after giving birth, the sugar went straight back in. It's crazy how life challenges can <laughs> yeah. bring back old habits. Um, and that so, comes back to the idea, as you said, of fluidity. Like what works for you today you know, isn't, isn't necessarily going to be the same at a different point in your life no, for all absolutely. kinds of external reasons, not just looking at the kind of internal elements of your health. Absolutely. There's always going to be different challenges. And, and so we, we must be fluid is the best term that I can think of uh, with our diets, because there are always going to be changes and different health issues, different circumstances. And I mean, 
Pregnancy is such a perfect example of, of this because it changes everything. It changes so many aspects of your health and so many aspects of how you eat. So one of the things that I know people are asking about, if, you, if you're imagining kind of building your plate, so you're like thinking, okay, what am I going to make for lunch today? How would you start at thinking, okay, what can I put on this to feel my best? Like what are the little things I can do? Even if it's not about taking other things off, what can I add to this plate or what should I be thinking about adding to this plate to help me feel a bit better? I think that probably every person I've ever met could do with having some more vegetables. Yeah. I think that that is... Uh, we love vegetables. We do love vegetables. Um, and I think that, you know, that's going to... Every single portion counts. I think that if people can just start to even just add one more portion of vegetables to their plates a day, uh, that would make a huge impact to, to their health. We need to eat a really wide variety of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, fibres, every single day in order to help every single cellular process in our body. So we're talking thyroid health, brain health, gut health, microbiome, liver function. That all relies on nutrients. And so plants are probably the biggest source of nutrients. I mean, we need to be eating a combination. It's not about just like broccoli is good for me, so I'm going to focus on lots and lots of broccoli or focusing on independent nutrients. For me, it's about eating as diverse a variety of, as possible of uh, plants to make sure that we're getting access to all of the different nutrients that we need. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we're on an eternal quest to kind of have more energy, have a clearer thought processes, have a better mood, a more stable mood, um, sleep better. Mm. You know, how is it that food plays into that? You know, people talk a lot about, you know, the importance of balancing your blood sugars and things like that. Just I think it'd be interesting to understand a little bit more about how the way we eat impacts on these kind of basic functions that I think we all as humans feel would help us live a slightly happier yeah. life. And it's amazing how many of us don't have, you know, the good sleep, yeah. the good energy, that, and we sort of just and get a bit each, used to accepting that that's the way of life. Exactly, and each and then impacts on the next. If you don't sleep well, you're not you're necessarily then. as happy, and if you're not necessarily as happy, you're not necessarily as excited about your broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> you're more inclined to like go a for cycle. the carbs. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, what I love about working one-on-one -on -one with clients is you really get to see how quickly that can change just by making a few changes. And as I say, with positive nutrition, I try to not talk about what they're avoiding, but just what we introduce. So I'll make sure that they're hydrated. Are yeah. they drinking enough fluids each day? Um, it's difficult to know what each individual needs to drink per day, but the rough guidelines are about eight glasses. And I think that that's pretty sensible. Someone who exercises would obviously need more. Someone who's very sedentary might not need as much. But, you know, a rough guide is, are you hydrated? And that doesn't mean lots and lots of cappuccinos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, we can, of course, get some fluid from, yeah. from caffeine. Um, so I would always start with that. Uh, the next thing, obviously, would be, are you eating enough vegetables? Because they're going to just provide us with so many different vitamins and minerals and fibre. And how um, many portions of fruits and vegetables? I know the old standard was five uh, portions of fruits and yeah. vegetables a day. Then it was seven. Then, then it was, it was seven. And then there's a recent study saying it should be ten. What do you actually think is the, is the well, desired amount? I mean... I just think uh, we have to be realistic. I think, I can't remember what the stats are, but very few people in the United Kingdom achieve five portions of fruit I and vegetables a day. I think it's 27% or something so, at the moment, yeah. So I just say, just eat more. <laughs> yeah. You know, eat as many as you can and don't try to, don't, don't let it become a stress. Um, ideally for me, I would say six portions of vegetables and three portions of fruit okay. a day. So I kind of say, try and have some at every meal yeah. and one portion of fruit at every meal. So spread it out. Don't have it all at once, all, yeah. to, all at the same time, which is just common sense, I think. Um, um, 
So the vegetables and fruit. And then protein, as you mentioned, blood sugar. Um, protein's really important for stabilizing our blood sugar and helping us to feel full and extending that energy for a bit longer. So making sure that you have a source of protein at every meal and you can choose what kind of yeah. source of protein that is. So I think blood sugar balancing is like the crux of every nutritional therapist career. Um, <laughs> and we talk about it a lot. And, and why it's is it so important? Uh, well, for all of the reasons that you say, yeah. for better sleep, for better energy, for avoiding that sort of yo-yo, um, getting on that roller coaster yeah. of craving foods, getting really hungry, having lots of sugar, uh, feeling then, amazing, and then getting that massive dip again, and then craving. Um, so that can affect our mood, our hormones. Our, I mean, yeah, so much of how we feel. Because I think on that, one of the things that I know lots of our readers have talked about, and I think generally people find challenging, is then because that's so much part of people's routine, right? How do you change your routine? You know, because if you're so used to doing X, Y, and Z and you're thinking, I'm exhausted, I'm not sleeping very well, I'm always craving sugar. You know, if you want to change your routine a little bit, what... How do you do that? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, uh, for me, I think it, it has... It comes a lot with support. Yeah. So um, I know that not everyone gets to work with a nutritional professional. Um, uh, but if they can, I think that for someone who's really stuck and trapped in maybe negative patterns with food or binging cycles or sabotage, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff, I really think working with a professional who can kind of hold your hand and support you and highlight. I mean, it's it all stems from awareness, right? Yeah. So I'll often get my clients to fill out a food diary because then that makes them sort of suddenly be more responsible. For like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. And that's what I do. And then you can start pinpoint. to pinpoint where the habits are. And, and then, you know, once you've got that awareness, then you can start to make changes. But, you know, on a lighter note, if, I, I think community is so important and making sure that you've got good companions who have your back and who share, the, who you know, motivate you, whether it's just like going to the gym together or going for a walk or yeah. making some food that, you, you know, for each other, taking it into work and sharing it. They're sort of positive, supportive ways to get started. Yeah. But again, I would always say slow and steady. Just choose a couple of things that you kind of know you would like to change and stick to them and commit to them until they become a habit and then add in the next thing that you want to change yeah because on that that's I mean it's something that we've talked about a lot and I think you see a lot you see a lot sometimes in the media as well is that people really want to put the way that we eat the way that we live the way that we exercise kind of any healthy or not healthy ha habit into a box you know yes. it's got to be very kind of day and night black and white and you know that's something that to me seems like it makes this a lot harder for people because it feels like it has to be all or nothing it has but you're to be saying perfect. exactly and that's not feasible is it not at all good nutrition is a lifelong long experiment of trial yeah. and error and as i said you know i i change my diet all the time i challenge how i eat all of the time i mean obviously it's my profession so i experiment with yeah. new new fads or new diets that come out but um i don't believe that you know my way of eating is the only way that i can ever eat for the rest of my life yeah. and as i said i've just been through a major life change by being pregnant and becoming a mum and that has challenged everything that I know about nutrition and all of the ways that I've eaten. So it has to be fluid. Um, and I don't think it is black and white. I think we should all give each other a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give ourselves a break. And allow, you know, because I think there's a sense from people that, you know, if they make a smoothie for breakfast and they make a salad for lunch and then they go out for dinner for pizza, that they've undone everything, for, you know, and that's that's not it, is it? No, not at all. Again, I say it's the, it's the choices that we make consistently that have the biggest impact on yeah. our health. There's all sorts of times that, that, you know, unhealthy choices are not 
bad for us. They're part of our social and emotional health. And it's really important that we acknowledge that. Um, You know, I I don't think that there was a really interesting study that I came across uh, just last week. I don't know when it was written. It was kind of saying that um, eating a junk, like a a pro-inflammatory junk food meal, like a fast food meal or whatever, um, it has a different experience depending on the life experience of the individual eating it. So if you're eating it in a stressed out state with a negative outlook and you're not exposed to trees and you don't get good relaxation in your life and you don't sleep and you're not very happy, that the journey of that food is going to have a very different impact on your health than someone like me eating it and not feeling any guilt or shame around yeah. it whatsoever because I've got a positive outlook towards food. So I think it's so important to enjoy some of the treats that we enjoy, if you want to call them treats or whatever, and not have the guilt or the shame around food. But obviously, nutrition is important. It does impact our health. It does impact how we feel. So I think it's, oh God, it's that horrible it's word. Balance. It's the balance. <laughs> it's moderation. Exactly. <laughs> so, so looking at a few of the topics um, that I think can cause most confusion uh, for people, we'd love just to get your, your take on a few of these. So First of all, what's your what's your take on coffee? I I love coffee personally, and it, coffee really suits me. Uh, I love the ritual of it, and my body feels really good on it. But I think uh, it's it's very simple. We're all individual. Some people metabolize coffee better than others, and I think people know if they don't metabolize it well, uh, they know that they get jittery and kind of spiky and edgy. Um, so I think it's it's really an individual choice again, being in tune w- with your body. But I think there's nothing wrong with it in moderation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back to those buzzwords again. And, and how about the big one, which is which is sugar? Oh, yeah. Both refined through fruit. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, what's worrying is that, um, I mean, sugar overall has the same impact on our body, but obviously there are different types of sugar. So natural sugars, like a, a, eating an apple, there's nothing wrong with eating an apple or a delicious you know, peach that you've just picked from the tree or a banana. I don't think that we should fear whole natural foods at all. Well, obviously, I don't, I think I don't we even do want to use now. the word fear you around know, I, food. Yeah, I think the government, the government traffic light system now, we have red, green and yellow. And I think the the thing that comes up most green is sugar-free green jelly, which has, I don't <laughs> think like has... the greenest thing in the supermarket. Yeah, I don't think it has any nutritional value, but oh. it comes up as green because there's there's no sugar in it and no fat and, so, and no so how do you salt. how do you negotiate sugar when mm. exactly does it become a banana's bad for you or an apple's bad for you but mm. but sugar-free green jelly is is good for you you know where do we where yeah. do we get to on that to be able to navigate sugar yeah so i definitely think we have to move away from the good bad concept um i think we need to apply some common sense to this uh, yeah. having three portions of fresh fruit per day is not going to be damaging for our health yeah. um i think you know i say common sense and that sometimes I see people who just binge on fruit all day long and that's not sensible in the same way that eating cabbage all day is not sensible. It's all about the variety. It's all about the diversity. Have some fruit. Don't have it all at once because it is going to produce an insulin spike. Now, that's not going to be a dangerous insulin spike from an apple or a banana. But if you're eating 10, then yeah, you're going to get onto that blood sugar roller coaster. I like to just apply an element of common sense yeah. a- around it. And, you know, I'm, I I watch for added sugars. I tend to not really have them in my diet. I don't sweat about it on the odd occasion that they appear because I know that on the whole, I'm not eating them at every single meal per yeah. day. And I just think it's like we need to just be sensible and avoid the, the unnecessary added sugars where we can. Okay. And if you eat an apple, just to kind of take our apple again, do you get the same 
blood sugar spike that you would get from white sugar? Because I think that's one of the things that's really confusing to people. Because as you said, when you have the sugar in the end, it is ended up metabolized in the same way. But is the whole process from moment of eating to how it's metabolized exactly the same? No, because obviously an apple has fiber, which slows down the release of the sugars. It's got so many different nutrients. It's got a lot more going on yeah. for it. That, and, and also that that's beneficial for us. So you don't get the same insulin spike I than if you ate the white, like kind of just spoons and spoons of white no, sugar? No, if you're looking at like the glycemic index or exactly. the glycemic load, uh, it's going to have a much slower response. It's still going to have a response, mm. but it's not going to be a response that is going to put you on that blood sugar roller coaster. And that's how you kind of differentiate what's kind of, you know, fruit is a brilliant thing for our body. How about, I'm reeling off the questions here, um, <laughs> how about superfoods, myth or waste of money or are they marketing trend yeah um i think that all food is super all natural food is super and again as i've already said it's the combination within which we eat them that gives us the the widest diversity and 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 hence makes them makes makes them super and powerful uh we should never look at nutrients in isolation or foods in isolation so um i you know there's some amazing qualities for broccoli, for example, but I still don't want to like give food a label of superfood. Um, I don't really buy into all of the powders and foods that claim to be superfoods. I don't think that we need them. I think that fine if you want to spend your money on them and add them into your life here and there and everywhere. That that's no problem. But I don't like that a lot of people think that that's what makes up a healthy diet because it's it's not it's not necessary. And I think in there, that's where also some of the confusion around healthy eating has come from because it's made it feel very expensive yeah. and very inaccessible. That if you need, if eating well requires you to buy... Buy expensive, unusual, hard-to-find Exactly, that you don't know how to pronounce necessarily. Yeah. And as you said, it's not to say you can't have it, but if you feel like that is what defines healthy, then that immediately excludes a lot of people because exactly. they're not affordable and they're not accessible. Exactly. And that's... That, to me, has been a really interesting thing to understand is how that has, I think, turned a lot of people away rather than a celebration of like a lentil, yeah. you know, <laughs> a humble little chickpea. Yes, yes. Because they're not very sexy, are they? You know, chickpeas aren't very sexy. They're not as exciting mm-hmm. as some sort of new powder that's exactly. got a label on it. But, you know, I, after, you know, I, tra- I trained in nutrition in 2004, so I've kind of been around in this world for a long time. And when I first studied, there was nothing about health eating. It was not trendy. There was hardly any unusual health foods. There was nowhere near the kind of substitutions that there are now. Um, there, were, there was very little that was available. So I will admit that when some of the sort of new mm. superfoods came out, when some of the new powders came out, I got a bit excited. I was yeah. like, woohoo. And I kind of fell for them a bit and thought, oh, this is exciting. Oh, this is where we can add in the nutrients. This is, you know, I definitely experimented with yeah, them all. Yeah, me too. I definitely got on that train for a while and then very quickly realized that actually, a, it wasn't very positive for my clients, um, and B, I just didn't really need them. I didn't. It didn't make me feel any different. Yeah, I think we had a very similar experience with them at the beginning, exactly. When I was kind of looking at what would help me, and I was like, "Oh my god, it might be magic." Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you realise like there's so many delicious things you can do with your humble little chickpea and your lentil and your carrots and tahini and sesame oil. Yeah. And. Actually, they're so much more versatile, so much easier to get hold of when you're working a lot and you're busy, you're, you know, busy mum or whatever it is in your life. 
it's it's so much more doable and that, but there's a lot of pressure still on this concept of but I think it comes back to again it's quite similar to the fad diet the crash diet it's the magic isn't it it's everyone's looking, looking, looking for, the magic. for the magic looking for the quick quick special fix uh, as opposed to the slow and steady road of yeah. the humble chickpea exactly. <laughs> and what are your thoughts on on gluten Oh, gluten. Well, um, I kind of like to describe um, the experience for people with gluten in in four different levels. So um, the first level is we have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease. And people who have that need to exclusively avoid gluten uh, for the rest of their life. It's really important. The second level is something called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which is quite a new term. But uh, it's people that observe that they feel bloated and have stomach pain or diarrhea or cramps or actually even brain fog or muscle aches, that kind of, they feel unwell when they've been eating gluten uh, and they feel a lot better when they remove it. The third is people who notice that when they eat too much gluten, so if they're just having like bread for breakfast, bread for lunch, bread for supper, uh, they get a little bit bloated and when they just reduce it, they feel a, a bit better. And the fourth is people who can eat gluten happily and have absolutely no issue whatsoever. So I don't like to say that gluten is good or bad. Yeah. Again, it all comes down to individuals. Some people are absolutely fine with it, some people not. I think it's important to understand that it can be for periods of time. So when I had really bad digestive issues, I had, I suppose the only way to easily describe it is I had a lot of inflammation going on. And uh, so it was quite important for me to avoid gluten for a long period of time. But I challenge that all the time. And now sometimes I'm okay if I eat some really good quality gluten. It doesn't really make me unwell. And uh, so I'll always I'll always test myself and, and keep trying and seeing. So I don't think we need to be rigid with these things. And one of my um, colleagues, a nutritional therapist in America, she just, she gave an interview recently and she just nailed it the way she described it is, if you're having a reaction to any kind of food, it's not the food's fault. <laughs> it means that there's something going on within you that you need to check out. So usually it stems from gut health, but certainly with something like gluten, um, you know, that would be the first place that a nutritional therapist would look at. So it's not like that food is evil. It's bad for me. I need to avoid it forever. It's actually maybe my health needs a bit of work. Maybe I need yeah. to address some issues. And then I can look at reintroducing those foods and enjoy them in a normal way. And I just love the way that Dana said, it's just not the food's fault. Yeah, yeah it's such <laughs> like a nice that. way of looking at it. And yeah. again, it just shows the importance of everyone being a little bit different with it. I had the exact same thing where when my health was very bad and um, I was feeling ill for so many different reasons, I had to be very strict with my diet mm-hmm. and anything that deviated from that made me very unwell. Mm-hmm. And as I worked really closely with an amazing nutritional therapist, we did a lot of work on my gut and all kinds of other areas. As my health stabilised, I got to a point where I could be much more flexible yes, and yes. have a bit of this and have a bit of that. Again, that concept of very boring moderation. Um <laughs> But it it changed completely. But there were a few years where my body was in a completely different way. I was very unwell. And then, as you said, that just shows the importance of fluidity and not yeah. saying this is this This forever. is the way to eat forever. This is this today. Yeah. And it might be different tomorrow. I think it's so important that we both share that because I think a lot of people might follow what we might have said five years ago or something and think that, oh, that's it. That is the only way to eat. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, you've your diet's evolved a lot. Your health yeah. has improved a lot. And so do you feel like too much pressure is put? on the plate and actually the plate exists as you said within an entire ecosystem of to make you healthy and happy 
Uh, I mean, for me, I, I think nutrition's a very good vehicle in. For yes. me, nutrition was the start. Yes. It, um, I kind of needed to connect with that and make those changes in order to start to feel better. But then yoga followed, uh, meditation followed. I did a lot of emotional therapy for lots of stuff in my childhood mm. that actually had all been a part of my health picture. Yeah. Um, so I started to look after myself in all of the ways that we've just discussed. Um, but, but you know, sometimes you need that in. Yeah, um, so I think, I think nutrition sometimes is quite a good vehicle in for some people. But uh, uh, yeah, I do think that too much pressure is, is put on the plate. We've got to look at our overall yeah. lifestyles. We know how vital exercise is for our mental health. Exercise improves how we sleep. That improves how we eat. That improves how we react with people, uh, interact with people. It's just such a challenge though, isn't it? Because I think particularly now in the day of social media, 24-hour news, everything being accessible to you in an instant, people mm. want quick fixes. Mm. So hearing something of, you know, to get better health, it's probably just going to take a year of small changes to I get know. there. It's just not appealing to people. And it's so, it's so difficult to get to deliver that message that actually, if you want to live better, it's just about doing lots of little things well for a long period of time and then, and then you'll feel better. It's a... It's, uh, it, it's a difficult thing to sell for for people. It know. is, but we've got to be more honest about it. Yeah. I mean, when I work with clients, I never charge them per hour because I feel like that would be misleading to them to suggest that they're going to get any kind of change by paying yeah. me to In see me hour. for an hour. Yeah. So I say, let's work together for three months, maybe six months, maybe nine months, depending on what they need. And if they're not willing to do that, then it kind of suggests that they're not, not ready yeah. to make the changes because it is a relationship. I don't have a magic wand. It's it's a relationship between the practitioner and the client and you have to sort of work together quite intensively in order to get someone well, as you know, Ella. Yeah. Like to us, healthy eating is joyful. It's a pleasure. It's not a challenge. It's not hard work. It's not an effort. It's I think just it has like... to start with being delicious, doesn't it? I think that what doesn't make it sustainable if people think it's just a couple of Bird chopped food. up carrots yeah, or <laughs> yeah. cucumbers. And I, think yeah. that's, I know that that's the big focus of delicious, Ella, is that of we course. are not nutritionists, but what we try and do is just provide yeah. delicious recipes or items that people can eat uh, just to make it slightly easier. Absolutely. But I think that we've kind of moved on from that. Like I, yeah. people used to see, when I used to go to parties and people say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a nutritional therapist. Oh, no, bird food. You know? <laughs> and I think that that's changed You'd now. You'd be surprised. You know? My friends still give me lots of stuff about <laughs> really? what yeah, you do, do just sit around eating nuts all day. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, I absolutely agree. I think, um, you know, that's why I do loads of recipes and, and have gone down that road too, because ultimately I saw with clients that most of them just wanted to know what to eat. They didn't really want to know the science and the complexities of it all. They just wanted to know what to have for supper and breakfast. And so it was always about making it easy, accessible and, and delicious, as you're doing a brilliant job of. So if you're just starting out and you just want a quick cheat sheet of three things that you can do each day just to improve your health and try and eat just a little bit better, what would you say those three things are that people can take away? I think I would say more vegetables first. Just try and add in more portions of vegetables each day, wherever you can. Uh, secondly, I would say be prepared. I think it's important to make sure that you've got a well-stocked kitchen, well-stocked cupboards with the right kind of things that you want to be eating and not have all of the things that you're trying to remove, um, at, you know, have them out of the way. And the last thing I would say is cook from scratch as much as possible. Fantastic. Okay, so I have to now ask, thinking about cooking from scratch and adding those little sneaky veggies in, what are your favourite recipes? Um, oh, so I'm I'm not you know I'm kind of a, a home cook. I just yeah, figured absolutely. it out by myself. I haven't had any sort of professional training, so I really sort of um, 
just learned a long time ago how to add flavors to a few different foods. So I'm quite, I just, I'll always just find a source of protein, some vegetables and add some flavor. So I think probably a curry is something I make I love curry. several times a week. Um, and as you know, I grow my own vegetables at home. So I pretty much use whatever's in season and chuck it in the pan. It takes 10 minutes to make a really good, tasty curry. So I'll make a version of a curry with different vegetables and some different proteins. And what um, kind of, are there any sort of herbs, spices, like key ingredients like that that you are kind of quite attached to because you feel like they always add the flavour. I'm obsessed with coriander. I know some people love it or hate it, but I am obsessed with coriander. Okay. Can't have too much. Fresh like coriander, cor- dried coriander. Fresh. Coriander freaks me out. We have every month at the Delicious Yellow Office, we have this cocktails and canapes event where two of the team members have to make something for the rest of the team. Yeah. And Ella and I did the first one and we Ella made this amazing, these amazing canapes and I was in charge of cocktails. And I thought I had this really great recipe, but I then realised that what I was supposed to be putting mint into the cocktail, and I was actually putting coriander <laughs> in. So everyone was giving me these slightly strange looks. I wanted to be really polite because yeah. their boss had made them drink. Oh, and, That's uh, yeah, I am not oh, a cook nor a cocktail maker, it turns out. But, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I do like quite a spicy curry. Yeah. I'm definitely not shy on the on the spices, so I do go quite hard for that. And uh, yeah, garam masala and always a little bit of cinnamon. Yeah. Oh, I love cinnamon. Yeah. Okay, so what are your five kind of kitchen cupboard essentials, things you can't live without? Uh, always chickpeas, lentils, an array of dried and fresh herbs and spices. Yeah. Can I have all of those together? Yeah. Um, I'd say some tinned tomatoes and uh, just uh, as many fresh vegetables as yeah. possible. Nice. I do have a lot. I do always keep, I don't know if some people hate this, but I always have in my freezer loads of pre-chopped onions, which is so quick. Really? If you get home amazing. from work and you just want to cook, you know, cook up something quickly because you can just add them frozen to the pan instead of all of that faffing of chopping, which I know is what puts loads of people off cooking from scratch. Absolutely. Um, so I have frozen chopped onions, frozen chopped garlic, frozen chopped ginger. Oh, these are great ideas. Yeah, and then obviously you can have your frozen spinach. Yeah. You can have frozen fish. Amazing. I mean, you, you can definitely make life a lot easier for yourself. By just choosing kind of one moment in which to do all that chopping yeah. and then it's done. Well, use a, yeah, if you've got a Magimix, yeah. you can just use Put that and just do it all at once and then freeze it. You can actually buy them in bags frozen from the supermarkets now. Um, so one final question um, that we're going to ask each, each guest on our new podcast series is what's a mantra or a practice or a saying that you live by every day? Uh, I learned to meditate about two years ago. I'd been through quite a difficult time in my life. I was definitely suffering from burnout and overwhelm and wasn't in a very happy place. And I knew that I needed to turn things around and get some positivity back in my life. And uh, someone gave me the number of a brilliant meditation teacher and I actually invested the time and learned how to meditate properly because I think that I just always thought I couldn't do it and that there was some amazing skill to meditating. And she was incredible. She really taught me to how to do the practice and I've pretty much done it religiously every single day since then. And I fell pregnant with my daughter when doctors told me that I would never have a child. Wow. And uh, not that I'm saying it was that, but I just, I find it so incredibly powerful. It's possibly the most positive thing I've ever done for my health. Wow. And what is a typical day's meditation practice for you? How, how long is it and, 20, and at what point of the day? 20 minutes and I try to do it in the morning. I put my daughter down for a, a nap. Um, around nine o'clock and that's the time that I'll fit in my 20 minutes. 
Amazing. And then if I can, I'll do 20 minutes in the afternoon. I don't always manage that one. But, you know, it's amazing. You can do it on public transport. You can do it in the back of a taxi or on a bus yeah. or on a plane or obviously just not when driving a car. But <laughs> um, I think once you get confident with, with having the practice, you can sort of slot it into your life quite easily. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Amazing. Well, Amelia, we just want to say the most enormous thank you for having you in today. You're our thank first you. guest on, on the Delicious so Yellow podcast. And we are so thrilled that you came in and we hope everyone listening would have got some great tips and, and learned lots hope today. So. so thank you so, so much. Thanks so thank much. You. It's lovely chatting to you both. Oh, and we'll be back next week talking about building success in your career and the little tips and tricks um, for that with the amazing Holly Tucker, who founded Not On The High Street. And if you have any feedback on this episode, we would love to hear it. So please do review it. Please do rate it and share any of that feedback with us. And otherwise, I hope you can tune in for our next episode and definitely subscribe. Um, There'll be a new episode coming out for you every Tuesday. Thanks so much, everyone. 